I mean, I've been at Inc. for 11 years now. I think we've been working for Max for 10 of those years. Yeah. And every year, the formula is kind of essentially the same. It's authenticity. What is Max about? Like, what is their brand? Like, when they say that the hunt begins here, what does that mean? Well, it's the story. It's the story of the Mississippi Flyway. Or it's the story of like duck call manufacturers in the area that are making these really incredible, uh, you know, designs or you know what what have you. And so then it's not just designing a cool shirt, but when I design that shirt with like a retro with an illustration of a retro ammo box, that's because that means something to the people that are going to shop there. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Hustle on Purpose. We have a very special guest today, Caleb Harris. Caleb, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm glad you think I'm special. I, you are. I, we'll we'll figure that out along in the a way. nice way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not as special as your last guest. I, I gotta say, uh, looking up the podcast and seeing what I was getting myself into, your last guest was uh, Santa Claus. Yeah. And Good luck following up Santa. Yeah, I don't think I can follow that. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> Santa Claus in a lot of ways, and, and we'll we'll maybe find that uh, along yeah. the way. I, I give give uh, to, no, I'm not anything like Santa. I'm like trying to find a way that I'm like Santa Claus. Um, may, maybe it's You're jolly. Just that I'm jolly. Yeah, yeah I, I do like milk and cookies. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I I brought cookies for Santa. I, I didn't oh, bring cookies. Come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Santa Claus was cool, man. That was uh, probably one of our our most high profile guests. He bu- he booked some <laughs> time with us on Christmas, and um, well, it's he, quite, it's quite an act to follow. Um, but I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, what you do, how you got here, all of all of that. Yeah. Well, uh, my name's Caleb, and I uh, I work for a company called Inc. Uh, in central Arkansas, but most people haven't ever heard of us, but they've seen us. And, uh, that's because we work behind the scenes a lot. So I'm in, I'm in branding and merchandising and, uh, we work with groups, retail brands, special events. I mean, anything from as high profile as like Macy's day parade or the, or the cotton bowl to as maybe low profile as uh, your local manufacturer or something like that, that just has a thousand employees and wants them all wearing, you know, matching, you know, Carhartt jackets or whatever. So, you know, whether it's just uh, strictly logo driven all the way to working on, uh, you know, designs for catalogs that are coming up spring 2025, you know, I'm working on a spring 2025 catalog right now for a, a, a very large uh, national waterfowl brand. Um, so, you know, being from Arkansas, we work a lot in the hunting space, but we also, uh, get to design for, um, yeah, some Netflix series, some professional athletes, uh, some global, uh, cheerleading competitions. And so, yeah, that's why I say you may not have heard of us, but I guarantee you've seen us. Right. if, If, you know, I would assume a lot of your listeners are, are from Arkansas. There's a really good chance that we're in your drawer, you know? And so what, <laughs> yeah. what we try to say is we hope you're in the top. We hope we are in the top drawer. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying yeah. to make t-shirts for the top drawer, trying to make hats people actually like to wear, you know, yeah. products that you actually want, you know, we'll do mugs and things like that too. It's like, let's find you something that you actually want. That's not just going to end up in the trash. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause like we've all gotten the promotional stuff that, you, you know, just kind of goes in the trash. Sure. Oh yeah. 100%. And, and then it's just 
wasted money on the ad. On yeah, the, it's almost, gave it's the almost worse than if you would have just not ordered anything for something to wind up being the shirt that you wash the car in or the hat you mow the grass in. Right. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like that's actually affecting your brand negatively because what does it say about the quality of your brand? Right. If, yeah. If it's worth that low, you know, right. if it's in the bottom drawer yeah. or if it's being used as a towel or it's on the rack at like the local Goodwill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that, that's our goal is to, uh, you know, make, make stuff that winds up in the top drawer. Or if you're like me, I ran out of drawers. And so now my most favorite shirts get hung, you know, I'm yeah. even hanging they t-shirts. get a hanger. Point. That's yeah. right. My wife actually made the comment last night cause I've been, I've been doing shirts and other merchandise for 19 years. Wow. Now I'm 33 years old, so do that math. I started very young, but she's like, somehow you have enabled yourself to have t-shirts located in three different chests of drawers within our home. <laughs> and and uh, you know, we used to have like a take a shirt home, throw a shirt away policy, and that, that can't even keep up with the amount of shirts that I, I wind up getting, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, and some of the, I mean, you've got, children and I can, uh, we've talked before because we have the same amount of children and they're all in the same like age range. Yeah. Like we, uh, it was funny. One of the first times I was talking to you, it's like, Oh, I have a kid that age. Oh, I have a kid. Like it was yep. like, we've, we've been <laughs> living separate lives, but, uh, on a very common track at the same time. Yeah. And a lot of those healthy habits of like, bring a shirt home, throw one away. Like at least on, for me, a lot of that stuff just got thrown in the by the wayside yeah. when you just start having these kids and it's like yeah. all of the self care stuff kind of takes a takes a back seat and it's like I just got to survive right now. Oh like, yeah, for sure. I mean, we have stopped doing laundry for the uh well, uh, we stopped folding laundry <laughs> uh as often for the pure fact of the matter that our kids favorite thing to do is dump over a freshly folded basket of laundry. I mean, it's like what they live for right now. If they oh, see no. a freshly folded pile, that's a tower we got to knock down. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting stage for sure. And so I, I frankly have lost track of where some of my shirts are. I don't even know. And we also moved this year. So I think getting a new house, oh, gosh. you know, some stuff got packed away. I, I don't know how it happened. I'm not proud of it, but yeah, yeah. Organizing my t-shirt drawer just has not been high on the priority list this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and won't be for a while. Like I just keep telling myself, uh, I've got to enjoy this season cause I, I can see how quickly it goes and how fast the kids grow up. Mm -hmm. But there, there will, there will come a season where, you know, the house is perfect and, and we get back to stuff is clean a majority of the time no. and like organized. And I'm, I'm glad that you still have that dream. That's a dream I've let die. <laughs> it's dead and gone. Yeah. It's dead and gone. I was just, I live in a playroom now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that is one of the reasons we moved is we had a house where all the bedrooms were upstairs. And mm. so in other words, the main living area downstairs just became the playroom. And we quite literally lived in a playroom uh, yeah. with our, our new home. All the bedrooms are on the main floor. So we're doing a better job of, you know, keeping big toys in your rooms and whatever. And so yeah, for me, I don't care about keeping the whole house clean. It's like if the living room, if, if that's the dream I haven't let die. Right. Can we keep the living room clean so that when the kids go to bed, 
like my wife and I, like we still have something that we can enjoy and not have to right. you know, move, have a space, move a bunch of toys we in order sit. to sit down. Right. So have that a, is, that yeah. is something I would say we still have prioritized. The living room gets yeah. cleaned every day. Uh, but yeah. Oh, everything else is just, I, I just think that the piles will get bigger and that they'll move around. And instead of being full of like squishmallows and, uh, other types of squishy toys, all the things that hurt to step on. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, then it'll be yeah, larger Legos. And then eventually it'll be probably drum kits and just oh, things God. that are even louder. So <laughs> for it, whoever, in. whoever buys my child, a set of drums because it will not be me like <laughs> it is on like we're we will be at full-blown war oh so i you probably don't know this about me i am a drummer okay and so i have two drum sets okay and they their favorite thing in the world they're just like daddy please please now i've got the drum set upstairs with the child gate you know at the bottom of the stairs right and so far I don't know how that's kept my four year old out. He wow. is very capable of opening that himself, but he respects, the but game. I think he just respects the barrier for now. Yeah. But their favorite thing in the world is when I just let them go ham and just like animal. Oh my gosh. It is just unreal. So yeah, four year old, two year old and baby is what I've got. And, uh, that two year old, acts like a four-year-old as well, just with the emotions of a two-year-old. And so, yeah, when the two of them get in there with that drum kit, it's just sort of like, look the other way. Yeah. You know, just let them shut have, the door, look the other time. way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Finding affordable quality property and casualty insurance can be a pain, but Little Rock based JTS has the protection real estate and property owners need. From liability and property coverage to plans for loss of rent, renovation projects, and more. Just give Matt Barger a call at 501 231 1611. He even has markets for short term rentals like Airbnb, as well as vacant, owner financed, and rent to own properties. Call Matt today at 501 231 1611 or email him at matt at jtsfs.com. The most common question I get asked is, GT, how do I get started in real estate investing? And my go-to answer is to go talk to Robbie Cole at Benchmark Home Loans. Robbie will help you figure out the best loan option for you in your current situation and help you with long-term planning as well. He gives out free advice seven days a week and he would love to help you. So if you're one of the people that's been afraid to start that conversation, I encourage you to stop right now and call 501-777-9995 so that you can start your investing journey or take it to the next level. Once again, that's Robbie Cole at Benchmark Home Loans, 501-777-9995. The, yeah, I could, because with my firstborn, she just turned five. She is very much like respect like the rules and like even though she can open the gate, she's like the gate's there for a reason. I yeah. don't open it because I'm not supposed to. Yeah, wow. but like man, my son just turned three yesterday, and he's like the gate's only there because I can't open it yet. Yeah, 
That is my daughter. That's my two-year-old that's about to turn three. A hundred percent. We just moved her out of a crib and into a big girl bed. Mm-hmm. And it's just the worst decision we've ever made. I mean, it's like yeah. she is coming into our room three times a night. And mm-hmm. the second you try to get her back into her room, it is an all-out 2 a.m. meltdown. Yep. And hugs and kisses have become weapons. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I just want one more hug and kiss because she knows never going to deny my daughter a hug and a kiss right i have started denying hugs and kisses i'm like absolutely not i I know this game a hug and a kiss in the morning yeah so we do not negotiate with terrorists yeah that's right it's like your children will use emotional terrorism i made the mistake one time you ever talk over your kids heads I, i do it all the time i told my son one time crying you're using crying as a weapon crying is not a weapon which he has no clue what that means. He has no concept for even what a weapon is. Like, yeah. But just in my frustration, he saw his little sister do it. Mm-hmm. And so he decided, you know, oh, you know, I asked for my third cookie in the last hour. Dad told me, no, I'm just going to, and I can tell it's a fake cry. So in my frustration, yeah. I just say, buddy, crying is not a weapon. No, nope, do not use crying to try to get what you want. For from then on, whenever my daughter cries, my son Oliver is just like, Aya! Her name's Isla, but he says Aya because he doesn't, you yeah. can't say his L's. Aya, crying is not a weapon. I mean, just screams it. And I'm like, I'm not sure I'm proud of, of that, uh, yeah, of that parenting uh, move, but yeah, they, they know crying is not a weapon. Then they just, they pick things that you say and you never know what the thing no. is going to be, but it's never something you want. It no, to it's be. never something you want repeated. It's right. like, can you repeat all the good things right. uh, that I say right. and not like the one bad word or the one, right. you know? Whatever. Yeah. How about yes, ma'am and no, ma'am and please and thank you yeah. that I repeat 10,000 times yeah. in an attempt to try to get you to use them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> they'll never, they'll never do it. Yeah. It's, it's so hard, man. My, yeah, getting, my son started crawling out of the crib. What seemed like very early. Cause my firstborn never did. She was just like, I was put here. So I stay here. Yeah. Um, my second born is completely different. And now he's currently sleeping in an inflatable pirate ship <laughs> that he, that my mom, my, my mom and stepdad got him for Christmas. And it's like, I I don't know. It's like five feet wide by like eight feet long. It takes up the vast majority of his room. Yeah, It's just a big inflatable pirate ship you can play in. And it's like the bottom is kind of like a bounce house. Like bottom. And like, he just is dead set on sleeping. And he stays in there the whole night. Well, some nights. Yeah. But, and like, once you have a newborn, we were so just like you, you stay in your bed. Oh, yeah. You go to sleep in your bed, you stay in there. Yeah. We're never going to be those parents that have Same. children like yeah. come into our bed. Uh, but man, like you let it happen one time. He comes in there at 2 a.m. You're dead tired because you've been up with a newborn, blah, blah, blah. And like you let it happen one time and then it's just like over. That is exactly where we are right now. But yeah. we are still fighting that good fight. That's good. We are That's still, good. I mean, it happened last night getting yeah. you know, shook at 2 a.m. And yeah. yeah. I had my two-year-old daughter had come back in and it's, I rem, I had the, I was very sleepy, but I had the conscious thought because mm-hmm. I started to say, Isla, do you want to get, just, just get up just in get the bed in with here. me, baby. Yeah. And I had this conscious, 
conscious thought of, I can't. Because if I it's do it over. once, it'll be over. Yeah. So try to take her to her room. Absolute meltdown. End up yeah. sitting on the couch with her, just rocking her for 20 minutes as she just cries until she can't breathe anymore. You know, oh, yeah. It's like, I'm not so going to just hard. sit you in your bed and walk away with this. I'm going to be here to comfort you through this. But, yeah. you know, just having to fight that battle, whispering over and over again, you're going to go back to your bed, baby. You're going to go back. You're going to no go other back option. to your bed. Right. Crying's not a weapon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I only said that once. I'm really not proud of that. Yeah, but you know, whatever. It's fine. Just we did not negotiate with Tara. That's exactly how it feels for sure. I'm with a two-year-old. Well, and then I don't know if your kids do this, but my kids eventually will get to the point where they, when they finally just collect themselves, they always go, "Daddy, I'm better now." And it's just so sweet. Just that yeah. I'm better now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? That's good. Go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, we could commiserate about the parenting Yeah, stuff I was like, forever, this is not cause... a parenting podcast, I don't think. But, you know, we well, could this probably. Is just what, this is just what happens when you get together with people that are in that season of life. Because it's yeah. like, we're both just tired. We're both just sharing a, a common experience because it's tough. What we should have done is like booked this podcast and put it on our calendars. But both you and I know that we're actually just using it to take a nap. Just going to yeah, nap. No, yeah. yeah, just a little yeah. cot in the Book corner. Book it for like three hours. Yeah, three hours. Really, in, only talk really like intensive hour. business podcast. We're going to get just in the weeds on everything we're going to get like seo like metadata keywords yeah we're just going to nerd out on all that stuff and then uh actually just just now we had we over the last like couple of years we've had like a couch we were getting rid of and like a recliner we were uh getting rid of getting some new furniture and uh my wife was like well why not like you could use it at the office i'm like absolutely not (laughs) It's like if you put any yeah. kind of comfortable furniture mm-hmm. in that office, my productivity is going to tank. Yeah. Like yeah. If there's a potential for a nap, yeah. like I'm going to find a way. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. No, my, at my office, uh, I, needed, I needed a couch in my office because I was having a whole lot of like team meetings. And I purposefully got like the most uncomfortable couch that yeah. I could find because yeah. I'm like, I just don't even want that temptation. Right. And, so, you know, my team starts coming in, they're like sitting on the couch and they're just, oh, uh, I'm like, yeah. It's uncomfortable that, on purpose. That that couch is, yeah. it's there for me to uh, not be tempted by. It's for you to sit in for 45 minutes. Right. And then when you leave that, I don't want to sit yeah. in it. And there's been a couple of times that I've like, you know, taken a lunch break where I'm like, oh gosh, I'm really not feeling good. I need to lay down. And I start to lay down and... I immediately regret getting such an uncomfortable couch because I'm like, man, if I could just get a little bit of rest, but yeah, it is probably more comfortable to lay on the floor in my office right. than to sit on my couch. Yeah. Yeah. What do they, what do they call that? Like uh furniture that's uh, like it, they use it in public places. So like homeless people don't sleep on it. Oh, really? uh, yeah. It's like purposely designed for you to be able to like sit on it, but not like lay on it. Um, or like airplane terminals or airport oh, yeah. terminals have those like the seats that have the armrest, so you can sit there. You try to lay down, it's like impossible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know, but that's a really uh, that that's a very niche uh, <laughs> segment of furniture making. Right. Maybe we could find that person. That's like, how do you specialize in furniture that is for sitting? 
uh, for a very short amount of time. Right. And I, I want to hear more about that process and what goes into that. I don't know. Well, there's a lot of people for me. That are, it's all about just, I spent the, the least amount of money I could spend on Amazon yeah, prime. And it right. just worked out for me yeah. that it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> it is interesting though. Like the, the furniture design, cause they'll also like design some of that stuff where like you don't, it discourages like skateboarding on it uh-huh. and stuff like that. It's, it, it, uh-huh. it is interesting. Like uh-huh. there's some people out there that like, that's their job. How do I make a park bench that you can sit on and that's it? (laughs) Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I've never thought about this. But I want to talk more about um, ink because it's, it's got, it sounds like a super interesting job because you get to work with, I mean, you listed all kinds of various occupations and businesses and whatever, but so you get a, it sounds like it's probably new stuff all the time it is yeah but you get to apply kind of the same process to it yeah yeah i mean so merchandise is one of those things that's like if you are just ordering the same thing over and over and over again i can almost guarantee you it's becoming like least successful every time you're doing it Mm. so for some people like their merchandise strategy is like this is our logo and we put our logo on things and these are the things that we put them on and then we create a a store be it like a retail store be it an online uh like store for their employees or whatever and then they get kind of discouraged because they're like well our sales were really good at first and now no one really uses it anymore and it's because man look at the world that we have to compete with I mean, look how many retailers there are and how many small businesses. There's millions of Shopify sites in the uh, merchandising, you know, retail space. And so it's harder than ever to compete with that top drawer. You know, that's what we say is like trying to make something that's uh, good enough to be in the top drawer, something that you actually wear. And so businesses that have this mentality of, Oh, well, T-shirts. Oh, it's great. We love T-shirts because they're like billboards that people wear. I mean, that's like the number one misconception that I hear all the time. Yeah. For people who think that they're saying the right thing. They're like, oh, yeah, T-shirts. We order a ton of them. They're billboards. And it's like, tell me more about the last billboard that changed your mind. Or tell me more about the last billboard that extended an experience for you. Like genuinely that you like took with you. The only billboards that I can remember are the billboards that say that say you just proved billboards work. I'm yeah. Like, no, you just proved that billboards are a flash in the pan and they're loud and they catch your attention. And for some businesses, that's great. Yeah. But you try to apply that same mentality to merchandise. You don't wear something because it's this loud statement flash in the pan thing that you, you wear something because it, it, it extends an experience for you. You know, so it's like you go to Yellowstone and you see Old Faithful for the first time. It's like, mm-hmm. are you buying a shirt that just has the Yellowstone logo on it? Or are you buying a shirt that has like a really cool illustration of Old Faithful, right. you know, doing its thing? Similarly, like you look at all the different parks and all the different like parks project and stuff like that. They all do this really, really well of extending the experience mm-hmm. by doing authentic design like to that destination. And so uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in Colorado Springs and we did an event there or we, we were part of an event there where it was all about, uh, it was all camp directors. And so there was like, I want like to say- Like youth s- camps? Yeah, like uh, think summer camp. 
Okay. You know, so, uh, but well, like all kinds of camps. all kinds of camp, okay. summer camp, winter camp, day camp, overnight camp, science camp, you know, whatever. Um, it's a great vertical for us because yeah. all of them are like camp directors that need to buy, you know, thousands of t-shirts. You know, normally they're like giving a kid a shirt when they come to camp, but right. then they have a camp store as well where they're trying to serve not just the kid, but the kid's parents, the kid's grandparents, yeah. um, you know, stuff that the kid might need throughout the week, be it a water bottle, be it a hacky sack, you know, whatever, yeah. various promotional products. Well, a lot of those camps are like, like cults. <laughs> they are for sure. I mean, that's a terrible, probably yeah. a terrible way to put no, it, but they, I mean cult in the sense of like, it's like multi-generational. Yeah. You have adults that are like, yeah, I went to this camp every oh, 100%. year as a kid and like, yeah. they've got the bumper sticker. On oh, hundred percent. And, and, like, and it's a perfect example of extending the experience. It's mm. not, it's, it's like, there's two ways to that, that are coming to my head right now is like, you can extend the experience through what you see such as, oh, this is the rock everybody jumps off of. Right. This is the, the whatever, the cliff that everybody has their first kiss on, or this is yeah. the big giant campfire where they do a big thing, or we always have pizza night on Wednesdays, yeah. you know? Like every summer camp kind of has their shtick. Their own thing. Yeah, right. but then there's also what you feel. And so, you know, you can get into, like some of these camps have... A theme for the week, you know, mm -hmm. especially if they're like a faith-based camp or something like that, or right. maybe maybe it's like a a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout uh, kind of deal where they're like trying to uh, bring home like a certain mantra or whatever. Right. Or they have like teams. Yeah, like a oh, couple yeah. of those camps I know they've got like, oh, you went to camp so and so, like what? Yeah, troop exactly. Or what what or were you a team? part of? Yeah. Exactly. And so extending the experience of what you feel is just as, is just as important. So, you know, you think about what's in your top drawer and tell me how much of it is just a logo. Right. You know, it's, it's, you're not going to win. You're not going to win out with that. Um, so the question is, is like, how do you tell that story mm. and how do you find your brand? You don't need to masquerade it and you don't need to, you know, make something up, you know, don't need to like get on Pinterest and, yeah. and, and go try to be inauthentic and go, you know, Oh man, I, I really like whatever. Um, I really like, um, uh, I'll just use a local example. Like I remember when Fayette chill was really popular here in Arkansas or native yeah. or whatever. You don't need to be like, Oh, I, I want to be the next Fayette chill. And so I'm just going to, you know, get, make all my designs look like that. Like that's not necessarily enough. It's finding your brand, finding your voice. Like don't try to masquerade a culture yeah. and, and try to change your culture to what you think is just cool because again, it changes. It, that's going to keep changing. <laughs> It's like, find your identity, find your culture, mm. find your story, and then use what is trending to tell that story. Right. You know, so it's like, what, what is special? What is unique about your brand, about your camp, about your whatever, school, church? Uh, I mean, it could be anything. For us, in, when we work with retailers, it's, um, you know, what, what is the destination of your retail store? So I'm like thinking specifically of Max Prairie Wings down in Stuttgart, Arkansas. So we, we exist here in, uh, I don't know how much you know about, are you a duck hunter or anything? Yeah. Like that? Okay, cool. 
So I wasn't until I got the scout. And then yeah. I'm like, I need to figure need out to what this is about. Yeah. So so we in Arkansas are just right here at the tip of the funnel of the Mississippi Flyway. Mm-hmm. And that just funnels straight through Stuttgart. And so people come from all over the world. There's even the World's Championship Duck Calling Contest every year in Stuttgart. That's like yep. 60,000 people from 60 different countries. And they all come in to blow duck calls and to be... Have you, you ever know, been? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's incredible and also very loud. Very, yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, like yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, don't go into go into Max Prairie Wings uh, anytime between like October and February, yep. and you just want to yeah bring bring a set of earplugs with you for sure. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy duck hunting, but the the competitive calling, it's like. And how they judge it, I'm just like, oh, it's hilarious to me. But yeah, I get it. Like yeah. I, as a musician, I get that there's like a skill here and whatever. Right. But uh, I can't tell you necessarily like the difference between two great duck callers. Yeah, but I can definitely tell you the difference between a good one and a bad. Oh, a hundred percent. Because I'm a bad one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Yeah, once you blow a duck call for the first time, you're like, okay, I can I can appreciate I get it the now. skill. Yeah, for sure. It's not easy. You know it when you hear it. Right. I mean, for sure. Yeah. And so the guys I hunt with, I'll I'll maybe quack a little bit, you know, yeah. one or two little quacks. I quit maybe, trying. Maybe feed a little bit, just yeah. a little, you know. Yeah. But no, I'm not. I'm, so I'm not bad. about the rest of that. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, bad. so, but I, I I guess I just bring that up to say, like, even with them, they're a retail store. But they're absolutely a destination. Mm. And so we've been working with them for, I mean, I've been at Inc. for 11 years now. I think we've been working for Max for 10 of those years. Yeah. And every year, the formula is kind of essentially the same. It's authenticity. What is Max about? Like, what is their brand? Like, when they say that the hunt begins here, what does that mean? Well, it's the story. It's the story of the Mississippi Flyway, or it's the story of like duck call manufacturers in the area that are making these really incredible, uh, you know, designs or you know what what have you. And so then it's not just designing a cool shirt, but when I design that shirt with like a retro with an illustration of a retro ammo box, that's because that means something to the people that are going to shop there. Right. And so they're going to buy a vintage ammo box design before they're going to buy just a generic clip art of a duck. Right. And so th- this is where we kind of separate ourselves, I think from a lot of the competition, because there's a ton of competition and a lot of really great competition in this space. Um, and, and I could go, I could say what a lot of people probably say, Oh, the customer experience and the customer service or the turn times, you know, or, you know, whatever. But, if I had to boil down just one secret ingredient to ink and, and our success over the last 35 years, it's that we start with the design. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. So, and we actually start with the design without any commitment of order. So, you know, we will do, if you, if you come and you say, I, I need a thousand shirts, 5,000 shirts, you know, whatever, we've got a formula that's basically, okay, you need one design to get that many shirts. Well, you're about to get this many designs instead, because I want to make sure I'm showing you a design that you fall in love with. Yeah. That you're convinced that'll wind up in the top drawer that people are going to wear that shirt once a week because that just became that their new favorite right. know, shirt. And so we'll pitch people two, three designs just to win one job. And I got to be honest, sometimes we don't win, but then 
it's okay for us because we just yeah. created a lot of assets. We spent a lot of time. We do a good job of repurposing the assets that we spent time on, but we do create and craft a brand new design every time. So it's no templates. And that's, yeah, that's unheard of in our industry. I think m- most of our competitors are going the way of, Oh, we're going to, we're going to try to tackle the outdoor industry. So let's create a catalog of 24 outdoor designs and let's go door to door to Fort Thompson, right. Prairie wings and Roger sporting goods and, you know, whatever, and show them our designs that we made. Right. And, you know, Oh, look, you can have that design and we'll put your name here and we'll put your city here and whatever. Right. That's a, I'm all the way out on that. The yeah. second you show me a catalog of templates and go, you can have this and you can switch your name with this or you know, whatever. The fact of the matter is this is not authentic to me. This right. is a template, you know? So, uh, that, yeah, that, that's you may see it at a, yeah. another store next door. Like exactly. Next yeah. Exactly. And, and frankly, you're going around trying to make sales and that's right. not exciting to me. Like yeah. what's exciting to me is going around trying to tell stories. I mean, when, when we can genuinely take interest in someone's brand, I always tell people we're going to care way more about your merchandise than you do. I mean, that's the kind of partner you want. Right. And so when we get, when we get on a new partner uh, or a new client, we're immediately just digesting their entire Instagram and we're just chewing all that up and we're combing their website. I mean, we are, we are looking at so much content on the front end to go, we want it to feel like when we design something for you that it was someone down the hall that genuinely understands your business, right. not just creating a cool design. Cause frankly, anybody can do that, but we want it to feel yeah. so closely ingrained that you're like, this is us. I mean, this is a representation of right. what our event is or what our place is. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. Cause like I, you know, the, the you you mentioned the competition and there's the the vista prints and the custom inks and the whatever mm-hmm. um not to i mean yeah, i, I okay, didn't name them no it's but, fine yeah i mean four imprint like there's there's a ton and they're what i call i mean not, not to get ahead of your question but yeah i, I call those the dot-com printers yeah their bread and butter is that you can go to that website.com and be able to order your shirt without ever talking to everybody, to anybody, right. you know, you can just upload your art and see your price. Put your phone and, number you know, on a shirt and well, nobody's yeah. going to call it. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's great. I'm so glad that that exists so that I don't have to do it <laughs> because yeah, that's not, right. that's not what like gets me up in the morning, honestly. But like yeah. me and my team, we have about 80 employees and uh, what gets us going is the fact that we tell stories about once a month we bring in a client and do a client spotlight. We have like a company meeting nice. and what they tell us all the time is guys, the designs, the designs that you guys are making our people just feel so more like much more valued, right. like they're actually wearing it or, you know, it kind of depends. Sometimes it's a hospital coming in. Yeah. That's like our gift shop sales are way up or our parents and our kids are buying the same shirts. Like we see, yeah. you know, them go in and like buy them together and like do family sets because you're doing stuff that's so trendy that people want. Yeah. Or our nurses, you know, we started out, I remember we had a local hospital here that had a policy that nurses could wear t-shirt one, t-shirts once a week. I bet I know what hospital it is because my wife used to work there. And now they wear t-shirts all day, every day because yeah. their, their sales skyrocketed so much 
from the nurses because they're like, oh my gosh, like, again, it's not just a logo tee because I know of another hospital that is still doing it once a week. And yeah. it's because it's ugly logo on a scratchy t-shirt that no one wants to wear. Right. But then you know, the first hospital I referenced are using quality garments that yeah. are soft, you know, that fit really well, that people like to wear. And they've got custom design that speaks to the heart of why they work there and like what they're passionate about. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Essentially that's the formula is find what you're passionate about and tell mm. that story. And that's how I got bit with this whole thing in the first place. I mean, I, I mentioned that I was 14. Oh, I, I didn't do the math earlier, but I mean, that's essentially yeah. if you do the math back. I was 14 years old when I designed my first shirt. And, and so what was that? Okay, like, so how, I was, like, how, yeah. How did, so I was in I didn't a, do anything uh, at 14. Yeah, well, when I was 14, my best friend called me and he said, hey, dude, I got an electric guitar for Christmas. Or no, it was for his birthday. Because we've been, we're, we were born three days apart, been best friends ever since. So, you know, he's like, I'm getting an electric guitar. Who's older? I'm older, about three days. And nice. so far that's going well for me. But <laughs> here in a few years, it's going to go the opposite direction right. where suddenly I'm going to be the old one. Yeah. But he calls me and he's like, hey, I'm getting an electric guitar. You should get a bass. And I'm like, sounds good. Done. What's a bass? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so I tell my mom, I'm like, Hey, I want a bass guitar because me and Brandon are going to start a band. Yeah. And you know, she wanted me to be a musician. So she was all about it. So she took me to guitar center and you know, just slap on the bass. Uh, the bass <laughs> yeah. She's like, and gosh, my mom, I'm just so thankful. Cause we didn't have, we were not, you know, uh, there's a whole story there, but I mean, uh, my dad was there, but he had a terminal illness. And so mm. he wasn't bringing in any money. And my mom worked at a private school. And so I had a private school teacher's, you know, salary. <laughs> so I still yeah. don't know how she did what she did. Yeah. Um, but somehow she afforded to get me a bass guitar. So anyway, he, he and I, we start writing music and we create this whole band. And You added more uh, team members? We we did yeah we we uh, when did you get into drums you you moved at some I've point. I've moved around a lot okay. yeah yeah but you know we start writing this music come up with a name and for some reason from a very young age I've just been about the visuals like I've just been about yeah. wanting things to look really really cool and so I was obsessed with what's our logo you know <laughs> what is it gonna be yeah. and I'm just scratching and I've got pencil paper you know and just creating a different different logos and so. We we get, you know, from his school that he went to, found a bass player and found a drummer and we all start jamming in the in the basement of uh, our our guitarist's house. And our guitarist had a uh his dad, like it's funny looking back on it now, because now like I'm probably getting close to the age that his dad was at the time. His dad built computers. That's what we were told, is that his dad built computers. We're like, wow, that's so cool. Looking back. That dad, 100%, was like black market building like shady pirated software computers and selling them, which is just awesome. <laughs> uh, and so I remember like, I think my mom even talked to him like, is, you know, oh, wow. Because my mom's just naive. If she would have known it was illegal, there's no way. Like she's right. very by the book. But like, that was like early oh, into. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we didn't even have internet, the, yeah. you know. And so she... uh I think she just kind of asked him like, oh, wow, like you build computers. That's amazing. Can you build one, you know, for Caleb that 
and that has this, you know, like art software on it. He's showing, uh-huh. he's showing an interest in art. And so he's like, yeah, sure. So he builds me this computer and it had a copy of, uh, I still remember it was called Microsoft digital image pro 10. Wow. And, uh, I was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hooked. It, it hooked. That's all I wanted to do all day. Every day is like figure out how to design things. And it didn't have a lot, but I remember it had layers. And so anybody that's listening to yeah. this that, you know, knows anything about Adobe software or anything like that, like layers are, that's, you, you gotta be able the to design. The most basic yeah, thing. Yeah. You gotta be able to design things on different layers and bring them to front and back and whatever. And it taught me the concept of layers. And so I created this logo and I sent it to him and, and the, and the other, you know, band guys showed it to him. Guys, let's make t-shirts. So we go, yeah, let's do it. And so we had a garage sale and we nice. sold, I mean, we were kids, but we were serious. Like for us, I think we were like entrepreneurs and we didn't know it. Yeah. You know, we were just like, we're going to sell our video games and our movies and our, you know, whatever. And somehow we sold enough that, uh, I was able to reach out, find, uh, was, you know, I think I'd probably just Google searched like someone, yeah. you know, make, make Ink. t-shirts, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I found this, this company up in Northwest Arkansas at the time and sent them my art file. And I'm sure that now that I'm on this side of things, I'm sure it was trash. Like there's, they most definitely had to recreate it. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, my, my mom and, uh, took me and my friends, we loaded up in her red PT cruiser and we, we drove up to, uh, Northwest Arkansas. I think they met us even halfway because we had a show coming up that, that Saturday. It was all kind of rush. Like everything is in our industry and popping open that box. I just, if you've ever felt it, you know, and if you haven't, I hope that you'll feel it one day that popping open a box and seeing something that you made. Yeah is the second best feeling. The absolute best feeling in the world is when you see a stranger that you don't even know and they're wearing it. Yeah. And so I had, I had the first feeling probably on a Friday or Saturday popping open that box and seeing, Whoa, I designed this and here it is. It's like, I just, I just made a product. Right. But then being able to fast forward a couple of weeks later and see somebody else wearing it, this just became way more than a product. Yeah. And this just became an experience. I mean, this just became a total uh, different thing and it, it perpetuates because this is like a real opportunity out there is that someone's seeing it and going, Hey, that looks cool. What is that? Yeah. And then they tell that story and they go, Oh yeah, it's this band, you know? And I think even then, like, I think that the design had a little bit of a story to it. It was not near, you know, obviously to the level of what we do today, Yeah, but it was still like, you know, not just a logo. It, it was, I think one of our lyrics or something that were on it or something. It was something that had just something tangible, you know, that, that could continue and perpetuate. And so, yeah, I was, that was when I was 14 years old, got totally hooked uh, eventually I, I genuinely cared more probably about designing our album covers and our merchandise and yeah. we did buttons and hats and all this kind of stickers. And I got more into that even than I did the music. And so, you know, you fast forward four or five years, um, as the music got better, the merch got better. I mean, we kept selling it more and more. I'm suddenly setting up like a legit merch booth at our shows and, um, 
other bands started being like, Hey man, can you design our merch too? And, and yeah. at the time too, it was like, and can you also design our MySpace profile? And so then I'm teaching myself HTML and yeah. really just stealing other people's code and just looking at it and going, Oh, that's what that means. Right. You know, I can create a photo bucket account and get a custom URL and yeah. Oh, image source equals this. That's where I put my image link or, you know, a H R E F equals, what does that mean? Oh, but that's a hyperlink. And so it was total, it was right. the same approach I took to, you know, when my friend's dad put a pirated graphic design software on my computer, I turned around and pirated other people's HTML code <laughs> and would just kind of look through it and go, you know, photo bucket, what's that photo bucket? Yeah. You know, and, and eventually, you know, kind of learned how to design websites and, and things of that nature. And so, you sort of fast forward to where I was uh, 18, 19 years old, the band broke up, but the fire for wanting to be uh, able to continue to design. At the time, I wasn't really sure, is it websites that I love? Mm. Is it the merchandise I love? Is it the packaging? I just knew I loved telling a story visually as, as cheesy. I know that's like right. very you know, kind of on the nose as far as like what creatives say about themselves. But I, I really, really knew that I enjoyed that. Yeah. And so and you're too young to really know what that means. Like, yeah, we're all, we're all put in boxes at like a young age. Of yeah. Like, you know, you want to be a cowboy or an astronaut mm -hmm. or whatever. It's like, you know, when you're four, you think five professions exist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I certainly, I mean, I, in high, and I went to a college preparatory school and it was all like preparing for college hundred percent. and the college, you can go look at any college and here's the degrees they offer. Yeah. And it's, it's can be very broad, Yep. but in reality to the breadth of what is really out there for you to be as a profession mm -hmm. is way broader than any like oh, yeah. college set list of degrees. Yeah. And I just don't think as a society, we do a great job of like helping adolescents understand that. Mm -hmm. Like people will say the cliche things of like, you can be whatever you want to be. And like, mm -hmm. but like somebody like you or, or really anybody, it's like, you were fortunate to find you had a passion for this design and yeah. storytelling and whatever. Yeah. But like, what does that look like? Yeah. And I, I get the feeling you're about to lead into some, I spent the next however many years in my twenties trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. Pretty because much. it's a common story. <laughs> yeah. It's a common like yeah. thing with people that I talked to and I went through the same thing. Yeah. Like I knew I had some passions for like in these areas, Sure. but how to actually pursue that as a career. Yeah. And there's usually not a lot of help right. there. You have to do a lot of yeah. self-discovery. For sure. Well, and the way that I thought I was going, I, I remember there was this pivotal point where I thought I figured it out. You know, mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is great. And I was like dating the girl that I thought I was going to marry. Mm -hmm. And... I was, the band hadn't broken up. In fact, we were talking with some record labels and it was kind of like do or die time. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, this girl and I are going to make it right. hell or high water. Obviously. Like this band and I are going to make it hell or high water. Yeah. And then I had applied for graphic design internships 
in California and New York and was talking with them. And I just had like a lot of uh, young people that I had just this unbolstered confidence that I had no business having Same. that this is going to turn out well for me. Right. You know, and <laughs> within like a month, mm. none of it worked out. It was April, 2009. Mm. The girl and I broke up, the band called it quits and the internship that I thought I was, I was like, you know, one of two left. It was actually right. with, it was with Tom's shoes Oh at, wow! at like the okay. pinnacle of, of Tom's Tom's getting really trendy. Yeah. And I'm like, this band's going to make it. I found the girl I'm going to marry and I'm going to work for Tom's shoes designing, you know, marketing. Right. I mean, I was just like, yeah. my life is going to be great. And yeah. all in a month, all that stuff ended. Oof, and, man. uh, man, I just got to say in hindsight, there's just nothing better than heartbreak for for creativity <laughs> because really? I yeah. stayed up one night in April, 2009 and I just had this sort of idea of this clothing line and thought, you know, I don't have to be in a band to design stuff. People want to wear. I can just design stuff. People want to wear. And this was before, like this is pre Fayette chill, pre native, pre, you know, whatever, these days it's like, oh, it's very easy to start a clothing line. A million people have done it on Shopify. But yeah. in 2009, Shopify wasn't, I mean, maybe it existed, but maybe, I, but I don't think yeah. it did. It was big cartel at the time was like the, the one of the leading e-com ones. But even to create a website was very, very difficult, you know, to figure out all your domains and everything. And so I had enough experience of that from doing the bands that I'm like, to me, it was such a novel idea. I was like, I could start a clothing line, you know? And uh, so I stayed up and I designed two or three different shirts and I really liked them. And I'm like, I think there's something here. And so I created a, an account on a, on big cartel. It was a, it was a e-commerce platform at the time. Maybe it still exists. I don't, I, I think it does, but it's definitely not one of the big players. And I created the web images and I put them all on there and I created a PayPal account and got it linked to it. And I followed some sort of article that said, do you want to create your online store? Here's how you do it. And I stayed up till 5 a.m. And I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I realized I accidentally just started a business. Yeah. And I already had <laughs> orders. Oh, wow. Because again, my yeah. dumb, you know, bolsterous self yeah. that's young and doesn't realize what he's taking on. Not only did I create all these products and create this online store, I like went to Facebook and I was like, check out my new clothing come line. Buy my stuff. Come buy my stuff right now. Yeah. I sent emails to like different conferences that were coming up that I had designed for that were like music conferences or festivals or whatever. And had said, Hey guy, you know, cause I designed for them. Yeah. I designed for their conferences. And so I said, Hey, can I come to your conference and bring my merch with me and set up a booth and I'll, you know, pay you a percentage of the, of what I sell. And I had no idea what I was even saying. I was yeah. just like fueled by this, like total yeah. blackout, uh, creative inspirational bout from heartbreak of my girlfriend breaking up with me. And, and I just channeled all of that and, yeah. into this idea. And I pursued it with everything I had for like six hours. And then I went to bed and woke up and I'm like, I got to ship these shirts to people somehow. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. I need to make these shirts. And <laughs> right. so I, uh, 
you know, reached out to a local guy, great guy, Matthew Taylor, I'll shout out him, but he, he had a little skate shop at the time called section eight and they also did screen printing. Yeah. Yeah. I and, remember that. And so I'm like, Hey bro, I just, uh, think I created this thing and they emailed me back and there's a conference this weekend happening in little rock. And they said, I can come set up my merch table. Can you help me print some shirts? And he's like, Caleb, like, I, cause he had done some shirts for, for us in the past for the band. Yeah. And he's like, I, I can't even get the shirts that fast. I mean, this is like a Wednesday. The conference is on Friday and I go to park Plaza mall yeah. and take all the cash that I have and buy a bunch of blank t-shirts from champs. I think is nice. what it was in the mall Yeah, and bring it to him. I'm like, Hey man, I got shirts. <laughs> it was like, you know, 50 or 60 shirts can we print something on him? And he's like, oh, all right, man, let's I do guess. it. <laughs> and so honestly, that is the greatest gift. Yeah. I, I my, my whole life is just people yeah. giving me the greatest gift of doing something crazy with me. And I've yeah. probably added a lot of stress in a lot of people's lives as a result of that. I'm trying to get better at that trying yeah. to be more self-aware about that uh, these days. But I mean, you see my story. I mean, from 14, I just, I keep having these ideas and I just, unfortunately sometimes we'll, we'll be too pick headed to like realize the stress that I have put in other people's lives along the way. I've mentioned it on here before it to me, cause I, I have, I have people ask me for help with various things like all the time. Um, but to me it, I am almost always, so willing to help if somebody is like actually doing it yeah. like you know like you've sure. got this thing you took sure. this action and now you've gotten to a place where like to continue that action like dude i had to go to champs and get these shirts and like yeah i i'm coming to you like i got to get these things printed because i'm going to this place and yeah. doing this thing that kind of stuff i'm like dude i'm in like yeah. anything i can do well, to I help think that, you. and thankfully i think that's what he saw and, and yeah. people have seen along the way is you know, at, at the very least, I, well, I'm sure it was also filled with like, this kid's crazy, you know, oh yeah. my gosh, this kid doesn't realize what he's asking. I think there had to be some degree of, but this kid's got grit yeah. and I want to help him out, you right. know, because he did, he's like, you know, yeah, let's print them. Yeah. And so we printed like 50 shirts. I helped him print them. I took him to the conference on a Friday night at probably six o'clock. We were sold out by nine o'clock. Nice. And what do you think I did? Went and got more shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I call him up and I'm like, Matt, I'm out. He's like, you're out? I'm like, dude, they all sold. They're gone. And he's like, dude, see what you can find. And so I go, I think the park plaza was closed at that point. I, it's so cringy now looking back, but I'm pretty sure I went to Walmart and just yeah. bought a bunch of Hanes beefy teas. Like yeah. just, just like, <laughs> you know, five packs of Hanes, yeah. you know, black teas and we met up there late at night and we printed as many more as we could. Took them the next day on Saturday, sold out. Nice. And so that was the beginning of a summer full of, well, I'm going to take the profit from that. And yeah. Buy some buy more, more shirts. <laughs> and then all those sold. But what I realized pretty quickly is these don't sell as well online. Mm. Like these are selling a lot better when I'm, I'm at a place. So right. I just kept on hitting up and emailing. And because of my, uh, contacts and and, and my network of like playing music, I knew of all these music festivals. And so 
I didn't even know what an exhibitor was, you know, but I start seeing like, start emailing some music festivals and, um, they're like, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. And then no, literally that's what I think. I was like, is there any way or any sort of like (laughs) process where I could come and set up like a booth and you know, I know, you, it's, I know this is yeah. weird and I would be willing to pay you guys some of the profit. <laughs> They're like, let me direct you to the exhibitor form on our website where you prepay thousands of dollars to do what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. I've and, done the same thing where it's like, I think I have this like, Oh yeah. New idea. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, got a couple of music festivals and went to them and man, I just, I don't want this story to seem like it was just like a skyrocket to the moon. My first music festival absolutely tanked. Like I almost killed the business before I even started. Um, because I way over did it. I mean, I saw some successes, you know, at the beginning that I just assumed were going to forever right. be there yeah and so i was like oh you sell 50 shirts you take that money you buy 100 yeah. you sell 100 you take that money you buy 200 yeah and so in my head i'm thinking i've got a couple of designs i want to ball out here i want to do six different designs i'm going to go deep in 100 of each design because mm. i'm going to this festival that's going to have eight thousand people in the middle of nowhere and you know uh farmland and there's going to be a whole bunch of and i just don't think i realized yeah that there's also going to be competition there of legitimate businesses mm. that have, you know, way more experience than me yeah. and, and they're going to be doing this way better than me. And so, man, I went super deep in a bunch of designs and got way over, you know, or upside down in inventory and almost killed the business before it started. But thankfully did well enough that I just kind of kept hustling and, and finding different things and uh, I went to my college at the time. I had, I had done my freshman year of college. And I honestly, I was pursuing a degree in graphic design. And it's sort of that typical story that you do hear of someone like me who kind of taught himself in junior high of, I kind of already know this. Right. Like, when are we going to kind of get to the stuff? Like, I've been told my whole life I need to go to college. Um, so, like, you know, how soon am I going to get to do these sort of things? And right. of course it's professors doing what I think they should be doing and feeding me some humble pie mm-hmm. and going, you learned a way to do it, but not the right way to do it. And they were right, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need to learn like some of this introduction stuff. You actually yeah. need to learn some figure drawing, you know, whatever. But at the time I was just like, my mom had told me that I'm paying for my own college Yeah, and I don't have this kind of money. And so I went to the guidance counselor right and or whatever you know at the at the college and basically said i have this idea for a business i'd really like to pursue it i had a little bit of scholarship money not near enough to like be a full ride right but i just asked her would there be any way that you'd consider letting me take a gap year i didn't know it was called a gap year at the time but yeah you know i have this crazy idea another crazy (laughs) idea yeah would you let me take a year and pursue this business and hold my scholarship. And if in one year I want to keep doing this business, I understand if it goes away or if I want to come back, I can do it. She said, yeah, yeah, go for it. And so she jumped through a lot of hoops for me to yeah. be able to hold that kind of stuff. Again, Shout another, out to good counselors. Uh, no, another person in my life that saw some grit and went to bat for me Yeah, uh, that I'm just so thankful for. And so uh, 
that enters me into what I call my Chris Farley days because I quite literally was living in a van down, down by, by the, the river. A hundred percent. So I get a That's van, awesome. which is another really cool story in and of itself. Cause the guy ended up hearing what I was doing and he donated his van. It was like a van. He was I like, found. you sound like you need a van. A hundred percent. This guy seriously was a godsend. Uh, I, I emailed him on Craigslist and was like, Hey, here's this idea I have. I need a van. You know, my yeah. mom's PT cruiser won't cut it anymore. It's too you small. Know, like, You've outgrown I, I, the PT yeah. cruiser. And so anyway, I think he was trying to sell it for a couple thousand bucks and he emails me and he's like, man, just come get it. It's yours. And wow. Like, oh my word. I got a van. Yeah. We're in business. And so it was a 1994 GMC Ventura conversion van. Oh wow. It was white and maroon or burgundy or something like that. Yeah. When you set the stage. You know what I'm talk- talking I about. I know exactly you open what the door, about. Everything's like plush, red and burgundy. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. The couch in the back goes down to a bed and there was a button that said mood lights. Yeah. Wow. So I got that van. And you really I, showed that ex-girlfriend. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're missing out on, baby. <laughs> and uh, it had like a tube TV in it. And I got my Nintendo, my NES oh, or dude. Super Nintendo at the time. Yeah. I think I and put it in there. And I mean, you, you grew up watching Pimp My Ride. Oh, yeah. Well, I did that, but with like a, a $75 budget. You know, it's yeah. like I went and grabbed, I think, some twinkle lights from Walmart oh, or yeah. whatever. I'm like... I'm going to make this the dopest van anybody's ever seen. It sounds pretty fire. Oh, it was awesome. And anyway, yeah. It needs to be on a t-shirt. Le- hey, I never did a van t-shirt. I should have done that. What? I uh, know. See? Yeah. Well, I, I, I filled it full of product and I essentially spent two and a half years going from event to event, state to state, college to college, music festival to music festival. Wow. Um, and set up just hundreds of pop-up stores um, I think I went to 26 different states. Um, I, I did live with people. I was a, a vagabond. You know, again, it's one of those cringe moments where you look back as a, you know, someone with kids of your own and a house of your own and realize I used people, you know, like that's really uncomfortable yeah. for me. You know, I'm like, oh crap, I was... I, I would I never been, be okay with me living with oh me Oh my now. gosh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I should have paid them rent. Like, why did they let me come and live with them? But... Um, met, I mean, they were just yeah. incredible people. Honestly, I still talk with a few of them. Yeah. Um, some of them are still very good friends cause I lived with them during some huge moments in their lives where I was a blessing to their family. You yeah. Know? And, um, and so anyway, I, uh, did that for uh, about two and a half years and grew that business and, uh, learned entrepreneurship. I did, I stayed dropped out of college. I told that yeah. counselor, yeah, I'm not coming back. I'm Given this everything I've got. Right. And, um, I have a van now. Yeah. And I've got a van. You need to come see it. <laughs> you can keep your scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I ended up, I would say, for me, I ended up achieving some success yeah. financially. Looking back on it now, that was, you know, 15, 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. Financially, no, not a huge success. Well, things change. But for me... I think it taught me everything. Like I had to learn marketing. I had to learn, uh, you know, 
all, all kinds all of marketing, of like, yeah. like inbound marketing. I had to learn uh, social. I had to learn like campaigns and email list. And I had to learn SEM and started, what is SEO? And what does that mean with different websites? Oh, and you know, that website's loading too slowly and that hurts that, you know, it's just like I spent all day every day basically going, I got to keep this hustle alive or else I've got to go back to college. Yeah. You know, right. And get in a ton of debt. And I remember my mom being really worried and telling my mom, well, mom, if I wanted to learn Spanish, I could either go to school to learn Spanish or I could move to Mexico. I'm moving to Mexico. Yeah. And I think she got that. Right. Like it's a great analogy. Uh, she, or a she metaphor really, or whichever one it is. Yeah. She really wanted me to, I think, be a doctor or a lawyer. You know, sure. she wanted me in something very, very steady and like, you know, minimal yeah. risk. Like, yeah, that's going to be a legit profession that's going to stick around and you'll make a lot of money in it. But I think when I said it that way, I think she just kind of saw, yeah, he's going to do this. You know, like he's, his mind's already made up. He's moving to Mexico metaphorically. Right. And so uh, after doing that for a while, I, I would say that the perception, whether or not the business was successful, for sure, the perception of the business was that it was successful. You know, I had a lot of a lot of likes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like these days, it would be like probably equivalent to having like a very large social media following or right. something like that. Like I had, a, I had a pretty successful followership or whatever because I had traveled all around and gone to all these events and yeah. networked and every Bootstrap weekend. Bootstrapped this whole thing. Yeah, every weekend I'm yeah. meeting a few hundred new people who are all buying t-shirts and the stories are perpetuating and, you know, it was just like this guerrilla marketing right. growth thing. Yeah. Um, and so, but something happened. I met my wife and for some Always reason, a girl. for some reason she didn't want to live in a van down by the river, you know, for some reason she, Why? she wanted a house awesome. yeah, and, and, a, a, a life with, you know, income <laughs> and so and stability yeah, and, and stability. And, yeah. and I, I did too, honestly, at that point, I yeah. was, I, I was coming into clarity and, and coming into a little bit of self-awareness at that time. Not near enough. I'm still coming into it. <laughs> still working on but, it. Yeah. But I was coming into enough to realize that that wasn't sustainable if I also wanted to have a family at that time and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I hung the dream up for about, I don't know, five months. Yeah. <laughs> it got a corporate job. Um, I, I had a part-time job also at Apple during the time and helped... Uh, at the Apple store, but were you a genius? I was, well, I was a, a family room genius. I, I did oh, mobile okay. phones. Yeah. Mobile phones and iPads and was kind of on the track there to do like teaching the classes and whatever, mm. like teaching people how to use software. But then, uh, yeah, a guy walks in and he, uh, I help him with his phone and he's like, man, you're pretty good at this stuff. You want to work with me? I'm like, uh, sure. And how was, much does it pay? It, well, and it paid more money than I legitimately ever thought that I would ever make in my entire life. It was $40,000. And I yeah. mean, I. Right. You, know, you mean I just get to clock in and that, you'll that, pay that, me every week That may only be four zeros, but I saw 10 zeros behind that four. I mean, I was yeah. like, I could make $40,000 right. doing IT. I mean, I thought seriously that I had hit the jackpot. Right. Because we didn't, I was more than my mom made being yeah. a private school teacher. And I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, you know. So, anyway, I, uh, I jumped on that and uh, worked for corporate Dillard's. 
Okay. As their uh, Apple IT <laughs> administrator, I did all the Apple machines. And uh, about five months into that, I mean, no disrespect to Dillard's or anything, but like creatively, it just wasn't fulfilling me at all. I mean, their I just, color is brown. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily mean that, but that's, that's true. But, I but, mean, uh, yeah, I, you're not wrong. Uh, I didn't say it was good or bad. I'm right, just saying. Yeah. Well, no, and I think Dillard's, by the way, has come a long way. But at the time, it was still very, very, very corporate. And so mm-hmm. I'm coming off a life on the road you know, going to music festivals and uh, staying up till, you know, the wee hours of the night designing stuff and hustling. Yeah. And now I'm clocking in, clocking out. And it just wasn't fulfilling me. And I got a call uh, one, one, that November. um, And it was from a girl that I had not talked to in years and years and years, but we had gone to high school together and she had followed my business and again, it had the perception of being very successful. Yeah. And so her dad owns Inc. where I'm at now. And she said, Hey, my dad is looking for somebody. I told him how successful you had been with your brand. Little did she know I really had not been. Well, know, it was successful in a lot of ways. Yeah. But she goes, you know, he looked at it and said, he really wants to talk to you. And I was kind of like, uh, I've got a really good thing going, you know, again, it's just, I'm making, right. I'm making 40,000. I'm making 40,000. I'm going to be able to retire on this. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And, uh, I told her probably not, but Hey, never turned down an interview. And I took an interview at Inc. And I, I probably only got 30 minutes into that interview before everything flipped for me. And it was like, what do I have to do to work here? Right. I'll do anything. Yeah. You know, because, and I think I even said in the interview, like I have been inside of dozens of other screen print shops all over the nation because I've been touring around. I used a lot of different screen right. printers and, and embroiderers and whatnot to make all my gear. I've never seen anything like this. How did I not even know you existed? I mean, right you in my backyard. Right. I yeah. grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. How did I never know that this place was here? And Again, is that whole thing of you've never heard of us, but we guarantee you've seen us. Right. And I saw that firsthand. I saw some of the brands that we were working with at the time. And honestly, more than anything, I saw an opportunity. Yeah. Because they did not have social media. They did not have a website, really. Mm-hmm. They kind of did, but it was just a few pages and it wasn't interactive or anything like that. Right. All this, all the hustle stuff that I figured out, you know, on a hotspot in my van. Right they hadn't figured out yet. Yeah. And so and they needed it, whether they knew it or not. Exactly. And so I, uh, asked about the pay. It was a big pay cut. Yeah. I mean, big relatively. We're talking 40, right. you know, yeah. but, but I think it was 40 down to 30, you know, and I'm going, I'm not going to be able to make money. Yeah. You know, whatever. Right. But I'm like, at the time, I think I was 20 years old. And so I was like, okay, if there's a time to try it, now's the time to try it. And, um, that was over 11 years ago now. And so throughout that course at Inc, I started as the sales guy, but I didn't make my sales. They tried at first, they don't got to make 40 cold calls a week and 20 callbacks a week and submit this report and whatever. And I did that work, but I said, I started making sales and they go, Oh, is that from a cold call? No, that's because I created us a Instagram and you know, right. did the, you know, whatever, or I did this ad on 
Yeah. Uh, or I did this post on Facebook and someone saw it, or I did this giveaway or they just kind of gave me carte blanche a little bit with the social media. Right. And so then that opened up an opportunity said, Hey, can we build a website? It's laughable now. I think our budget for that first website was just absolutely balked at. They're like, Oh my gosh, we've never spent this much. It was like $1,700. Right. Nothing. But at the time it was, Whoa, we've never built a website like that. And it's going to make more sales than any salespeople. And I had to beg a friend to build it for that much. Yeah. I mean, beg him. And, uh, and so he built us an awesome website and it had lead gen forms and it had great content and it was, you know, SEO, you know, it was optimized. Everything was great. And, uh, so the leads kind of kept coming. And so then they gave me the title of marketing director, which was really just keep being our sales guy, but run our marketing. And so I did that for a couple of years and then that kind of grew into, cause I, I still had the skills and the artwork. I just, you know, was on the sales side of things. And kind of eventually got to a place where it was like, I don't want to, I'm not fulfilled by just sales and marketing. I want to be back on the creative side again. And so they graciously, you know, gave me the opportunity to pursue that. And so I became our creative director. And then uh, after a little while, there was also a need for customer service uh, management. And I said, hey, I can do that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Unfortunately, I stacked a deck uh, for myself of, I think at one point I was like the sales, customer service, creative and quality control manager or something like that. And uh, it was, it was way, way, way too much. I was ineffective at at a lot of it. Um, But man, along the way, I think really I was just learning uh, that I knew I knew what the business needed, but I did not really know what I was talking about. And Mm. I had to basically learn again and again and again, if I continue to try to be this jack of all trades, I'll be a master of none of them. I mean, there is that cliche, but then also if I just pursue growth, 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 you know, success, 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 I'm going to, create this habit of burning people along the way. Yeah. And I think that's where at a certain point, our CEO, uh, he, he sat me down and he's like, man, I gotta be honest with you. Like when you're in a meeting, that meeting is better. You have ideas. We need them. But he, he said, I'll never, I'll just never forget the shock when he said it because he just goes from, for the next year, man, I just want you when you're in a meeting and you have an idea or when you, uh, you know, have a comment on something that you feel like we need to do differently or whatever. I just want, before you open your mouth, I want you to tell yourself, I don't know shit. And I was like, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> and, and cause I mean, he never cussed. Yeah. Right. And I don't even know if I can cuss on this podcast, but hopefully you leave that you did one. It. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> I mean, he, it's like a faith based company, you know? I mean, it's like, yeah. we're here in Arkansas, like, you know, he leads a devotion a lot of times. And so right. when he said that it, uh-huh. it just slapped me right across the face in the best way possible. Yeah. And it was just this moment of like, I need to be not pursuing 
uh, success as much as I need to be pursuing like self-awareness and humility mm. and not just prior, not just like looking for profits, but prioritizing people. And yeah. It's been a constant ongoing thing because at my yeah. core, I'm still that gritty 14 year old, mm-hmm. you know, turned 18 year old that wants to call people up and say, Hey, you want to stay up all night and print shirts with me? And then wants to get in a van and go stay at random people's houses and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I'm getting to the point now where I'm seeing if I only worry about that and these new ideas or whatever, what I end up becoming is just kind of a user of people to get these ideas across, across the, the, the line. And yeah. so, uh, a lot of that was probably, I think when he gave that word to me was probably, uh, seven years ago now or something like that. And so since then, um, I'm trying to, uh, pursue good growth and I'm mm. trying to still not lose the hustle yeah, or the hunger, you know, for growth, but do it in a humble way. That's like getting to the top of the mountain, so to speak. Right. And I want, when I get to the top of this mountain and grow this brand nationally to where, you know, cause we've already gone in my time there from being about a two and a half million dollar company to an 11 and a half million dollar company. Yeah. We've already grown in my time there from, you know, 25, 30 people to about 80 people. Yeah. Um, I want to continue to grow, but instead of having this grandiose vision at the top of the mountain where we get to take in the view that right. the, the best view will be turning around and seeing all the people that came with me. Yeah. You know, 100%. being able to see a whole team that's all ships rising with the tide. Right. That is, you know, a team of the hungriest people that all have passion and all have gifts and learning and this is what i've learned more than anything the last few years have better ideas than me right better ways of doing things than me and it's like i used to manage like 12 people now i manage two and i'm so much more effective yeah when i don't have to get the credit and when i don't have to be the one that wins but instead i can empower those around me and so that's kind of what I'm learning now. And so, uh, the leadership stuff is really tough, man. It's, yeah. uh, cause a lot of times the people that get put in those leadership roles are the people that have been the doers and the people that can be right. trusted to like get it done and making that transition from the person that's always been the person that like gets yeah. it done. And I'm the only, I'm the only person I can count on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're out there doing your own thing. Yeah to now you have to get to a place where you can't be the one that has to do everything. Right. There's too much to be done. Yeah. And like, you just won't do it as well as somebody else. Like your business gets to a point where you no longer have to wear every hat. Right. You can have people that have strengths in areas where you're weak, which is great, mm-hmm. but you have to like let them do it, which yeah. is really tough. And, uh, there's a, there's an awesome book that's my favorite on that. It's uh it's extreme ownership, Jocko Willink. It's a great book, mm-hmm. but he talks a lot about, um, you know, like if you have an idea and somebody underneath you also has an idea on how to tackle this project and like, 
you'd say they're the same level of like good. You probably prefer your idea a little bit because it's yours. Right. He's like always go with their idea. A, they'll be bought in way more. Yes. They'll want to prove that their idea was good and mm-hmm. go do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of benefits that come from like, yeah. yes, you do your idea mm-hmm. and like bring me solutions, not problems, yeah. like all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I, I mean, I genuinely attribute our growth the last few years to the fact that our team feels that sense of ownership now, Yeah, you know, whereas we were still growing five, six years ago. Um, but our turnover was pretty, pretty high. Yeah. Um, specifically, I mean, even, the the art team that I managed had like hardly any turnover because they didn't feel the pressure to sell. They got a, they got a different kind of management from me. I managed yeah. them as artists. And so I was pretty good at that creative inspiration, whatever. Yeah. But putting me as the guy that managed the salespeople was really, really tough because for one, I'm also in a position where I'm having to compete with them because I'm still trying to grow sales too. But then for two, I wanted them to sell the way that I had learned to sell instead of pursuing their ideas. And now looking, you know, four or five years later after yeah. that at our team currently who is managed instead by a guy, a great friend of mine, Cliff, that is our director of account management. He's so much better at genuinely celebrating their wins than yeah. I was. Right. You know, it's like, I, I'd be like, that's great. Go get another, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, I had my mentality of sales that I would want to push on people and these high expectations and, you know, whatever. And he has a lot more of a nurturing kind of way about him. That's like, let me get in the, let me get in the trenches and help you close that sale. And then yeah. let me just love on you for that sale. And, and so I think being okay with that has been huge and like learning, like being liked, yeah, is not the goal here being a manager that's liked a lot or that right. can really, um, like, I think people see straight through that. Like I would try really hard yeah. to have that soft skill to be a, something other than what I was, right. <laughs> which was a hungry hustler that wanted to go and grow this business. And it was just, oh, it's just like making the shirt or whatever. It's like you, your brand, like you just, you have to be genuine. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. And I think that people who, you know, that I cringe now looking back that I managed five, six years ago. Um, I think they picked up that I was being disingenuous. I think they picked up that I was trying to be the kind of manager that everybody would like while also still holding them to this insanely high and frankly, probably unrealistic standard uh, that I had held myself to. And instead now, um, being able to be in a position as um, I, what my current title, I, I guess, uh, um, if you're a millennial or older and you still use titles, uh, is Senior Vice President of Business Development and Growth. Um, but essentially what I do day in and day out now is strategies and technology that are going to be able to launch our, our growth in a healthy way that keeps us relevant and yeah. allows us to keep our, our DNA, like what our customer experience is like with the art and everything. Right. But being able to move past the mom and pop to where we are building a website that, you know, is able to, uh, rest on like a tech stack that can integrate with, 
um, the, the kind of compliances that big brands need right. in order to give you their business. You know, because some right. of our our largest customers, like our multi million dollar customers, mm-hmm. you got to have your APIs figured out. You've got to yeah. have some EDI in place. Like they are way, way, way more technical, and we don't have anybody like that at Inc. And so that's yeah. that's sort of the next phase that I think I'm in. Is like I yeah, got, got gritty to figure out design. Had to get really gritty and hustle to figure out sales and right. marketing. If now I'm hustling now, next I'm, I'm, I'm hustling to try to figure out how to keep us relevant with our technology. Yeah. And But using all of that art and creativity and sales and all that knowledge of being at this business for the last 11 years yeah. to kind of be that guiding light of let's not lose who we are. It's another thing I don't think we as a society, and I, I hope I do a decent job of it with my kids, it's like helping them understand you have no idea you know i i've talked to teenagers that are suicidal and mm-hmm. things like that and it's like i'm just trying to tell them you have no idea what 25 looks like mm-hmm. when you're 17 mm-hmm. like you just don't yeah. i've been 17 i've been 25 now i'm in my 30s and mm-hmm. like i i get that like you you just you can't understand how these experience all experiences all fit together and all stack on top of each other to make you into like the person you are now. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that everyone gets to that point where you realize why it all had to happen. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it's really easy to connect the dots looking backwards, at least in my experience. It's like, Oh, that had to happen. Oh yeah. Like I couldn't understand like you, like the breakup, the band falling apart, mm-hmm. the, uh, the internship not happening, like all at the same point. It's like, it's yeah. all devastating. You're at like a rock bottom. You can't, you know, you're like shaking your fist at the sky. Like, why God, like, why'd you let this happen to me? Yeah. And it's, I hope that everybody, no matter what you're going through, gets to that place yeah. where it all makes sense and you understand why it had to happen. And it gives me a lot of faith when I'm facing bad things now of like, okay, like I've been through this before. I understand mm-hmm. this is just something that has to happen now so that I, I'll understand it in the future. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm so thankful for all the weaknesses and like all, all of the imperfections, you know, I remember one time, like not to get too like uh, preachy or whatever, but like, I remember one time uh, a pastor that I had explaining like how in the olden days there's like this verse, like whether you're a Christian or whatever, I think you'll, you, the same, this will track with anybody listening. Um, it talks about, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about having a treasure in an earthen vessel and it's talking about the glory of God and whatever, but mm-hmm. just that picture of having a treasure in an earthen vessel, what he said that that literally was is like fuel, like oil being in an earthen vessel. So like a, a fragile clay pot. And he was talking about like for that verse specifically, he was talking about like you have this treasure of like the glory of God in an earthen vessel to light your path. But I think you can use this same, metaphor for anything or analogy in anything is when you have this oil and you light it and it's in a clay pot, a fragile clay pot where like what is giving off the most light? It's Mm. the parts of the pot that are actually the most breakable and the weakest. Mm. 
that is what lights your path. So if you put your treasure, if you put this light source inside of this ornate, bejeweled, golden, solid lantern, Mm -hmm. and it lights, you have no idea where the hell you're going. I mean, you're in the dark. Yeah. But living in a place of brokenness and fragility and being like self-aware on that and being like, yeah, I don't have this figured out is actually where wisdom is going to be able to shine through the brightest. And so I think that kind of plays in with, you know, sort of what you're saying. And it's something that I think about anytime I'm going through something. Yeah. It's like, this is where the light's going to shine through the brightest. Yeah. It's one of my favorite parts of doing the podcast is like, you know, anybody can, anybody can sit there for five minutes and hit highlights of their life and their accolades. And it's all sunshine and rainbows. Mm -hmm. You sit down with somebody long enough, you know, you do, an hour and a half or so long podcast. Gosh, that's long. I'm sorry. It, uh, no, no, no. But it's like you, you know, you can, you see the cracks in the pot. And like, I think that, you know, the most educational tool you have to help people get through whatever they're doing, they're going through right now, or to give them encouragement to go out and live in a van by the, down by the river and like sell t-shirts. I mean, I just, I love hearing the stories of the action takers, the people mm-hmm. that are like, man, I, I took imperfect action and here's where it led me. And, yeah. um, I, they're almost always glad that they did. Oh, yeah. There's bumps in the road, obviously. And like things they may want to go back and do different, but like, I, I hear stories of people taking imperfect action and they're happy that they did it. And I hear stories all the time of people that, you know, you know, the people that they're the, the victim mentality and they, Mm -hmm. they never took a chance on anything and they're disheartened by the fact. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to, I want to highlight local businesses. I want to highlight the people leading them and hear their stories. And I appreciate you coming on and telling us all about your story and, and ink. If people want to reach out to you for, merchandising, branding, all of the things that y'all do. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. Well, we're actually going through a little bit of a rebranding right now. Um, so I'm going to, I guess, give two websites, the website as it is today when we recorded this on January yep. 4th and what the website will probably be here in a month. Uh, cause currently our, uh, our URL is still our old business name, which is ink custom tees. Uh, cause when Joined the company 11 years ago. And it's I-N-K. Yeah, I-N-K-C-U-S-T-O-M-T-E-E-S.com. And me having to do what I just did is the exact reason why we're switching URLs. Right. Um, (laughs) Along with the reason of when I first came, 99% of our business was T-shirts. These days we're doing full on end to end. What what, what I say is from concept to commerce and everything in between. Mm. So any type of merchandise or, or branded product, you know, yeah. be it a soft, good, hard, good, whatever we do that. So taking custom tees out of the name and just going by ink is uh, really where we're headed. And, awesome. and our new URL is going to be inkteam.com. So you'll be able to work with all of our teams, our creative team, our uh, distribution team, our e-commerce team, our custom team that creates all of our, uh, because we do integrated production. We do, we have yeah. one of the largest facilities in the South. I mean, we have six automatic manual or automatic screen printing presses, eight manual presses, uh, two large embroidery rooms and heat press rooms. I mean, our capacity is to yeah. do about 10,000 prints a day, uh, right now. So, 
That's uh, awesome. Yeah, if you're a business, big or small, um, but especially if you're big. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. If you if you are a business that needs uh, a minimum of like 72 products, but especially if you're a business that has a, procure, a procurement team or a creative team mm-hmm. uh, that maybe is could use some additional help or you know whatever, and you have an annual budget that you spend merchandise on or that you spend on merchandise that's you know upwards of twenty thousand to a hundred thousand to a million. We serve all of those yeah. uh, businesses and and want to pair you with a, a sales team uh, that works with other companies in your budget to give you some really good strategies and help you out. Yeah. Yeah, because how many people are like me out there where it's like, well, I need a T-shirt. I'll just go and like make one. Yeah, sure. And they're sure. so bad. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, nobody calls the number. When's the last time you right. called a number off a T-shirt? Yeah, like I've, yeah. I've probably never yeah. called oh, a number 100%. off a T-shirt. Don't put phone numbers on T-shirts. Don't put dates on T-shirts. Mm. Uh, probably don't even put websites on T-shirts, to be honest. Yeah, tell there, a story. Every, like, there's going to be some kid trying yeah. to click the link on your t-shirt. Yeah, like it's not just working. tell a story. That's your number one priority when making merchandise. Be authentic, tell your story, and create something that people actually want to wear. Perfect, man. Yeah. That is so awesome. I really appreciate you coming out and sharing all of your story with us. Uh, love hearing those stories of taking action, getting it done, figuring it out. Um, and thank you all for listening. If you need any of those things that Caleb mentioned, be sure to go check out Inc. and their team. Inkteam.com will be their new website. Uh, thanks again for coming. Thank mm-hmm. you all for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. And hustle on purpose.